know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We've got um, a scheduled guest today, and hopefully hmm. everything goes well, and we'll have the opportunity to talk to Timothy Head, who's the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. We're going to talk more on mandates and um, just kind of what's going on in this country. It's it's amazing to me Um that we have so quickly just kind of lost what was once very significant to yeah. us, which is freedom. Hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mean to sound hyperbolic. I, I don't mean to, but it it really does seem like um, we've lost some liberty in this country. And uh, this is something we've been talking about this for a while, you know, mm-hmm. telling you things like where you're convicted, remain convicted, That's encouraging right. you with uh, the sentiment <laughs> of keep pushing from the bottom and, uh, you know, we have heard from our listeners that, um, you know, you are being affected by mandates that are popping up all across mm. this country. Yeah. And even, dare I say, in our own family, mm. we are uh, walking through this. Mm-hmm. But I will I will give glory to God that. Um, well, for several things, glory to God um, for having a consistent witness and when tasked to, you know, what do you think I should do? Or how do right. I respond to this? Right. Um, man, we've got one note and that we um, we submit to God and where we're convicted. We don't override those convictions right. for security. And um, even this week, after encouraging that within our own family, um, a member of our family lost their job. Yeah. And and I, I, I don't say that lightly. Uh, you know, this we are. <laughs> man. This is, you know, and and one of the things that my my our family member kept saying was, you know, it's amazing that I I have these convictions, and that I want to stand on these convictions, but at a very basic level, you know, uh, she expressed, but what if what if my answer is just no? What what if I just don't want to do that? You know right. what I mean? Like that that is not enough. And the thing that we kept lamenting together um, is that that used to be enough. In yeah. this country, to to just say I don't want to do that, right, right, and that that had a huge amount of respect, but it no longer does. And and I think part of the problem with that is that people have been uh, manipulated. We have been told that um, to receive a shot is to show care for our neighbor. <laughs> um, it is to love others well, and 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 so now what you're doing is this is called social conditioning. Mm-hmm. This is social engineering um, at its finest or at its worst. I don't know. Um, but that's what we're going through. And so what remains for believers? And, and here's what I keep saying. And I want I don't want people to miss me on this because people will get lost. And I understand it because this is the topic of the day. But people will get lost in the mandates themselves as they pertain to COVID-19. So people will make that the thing and and they will, you know, 
kind of like get, you know, all gnarly, you know, <laughs> and, and all of that on that. But this is what I always want to remind people that today, today, the mandate is COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Today. Mm-hmm. What's next? Yeah, hello. <laughs> Where Tomorrow, does we don't know. We right. don't know. But it, I, here's what I can tell you. I don't know what it will be tomorrow, but here's what I can tell you. It will be either easier or more difficult because of what happens today. Mm. That's what I can tell you. I, I can't tell you what it will be tomorrow right. or the day after that or in the weeks and the months to come. But what I can tell you is that whatever happens today mm-hmm. has huge bearing on how easy or difficult it is to achieve whatever the outcome is, whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. tomorrow. Man, you know, and it's amazing to me. I talked about I was talking to you about yeah. um, how, um, you know, there was said by President Obama that he was going to come to try to make a fundamental change. Mm-hmm. You know, it was going to be a change to America. And I was I'm thinking now just what, what we're going through now and the differences that, that we see. I was talking to J.D. about, you know, these things as well. How, man, we're living right in the midst of that change like yes you can you're feeling it yeah you can feel it right, right now, now yeah. you know and things have been changing already but you feel like it's like man we are in the middle of things shifting and changing and mindsets being changed and the way things were done not being done like that anymore mm-hmm. you know the freedoms that you're talking about mm-hmm. uh you know and it's like wow so you know my question is always while you're in that change while it's happening what do you do you know yeah. and i think for the believer, we lean on God. Amen. You know, we stay convicted Amen. on the things that we're convicted about. We continue to, to share the good news because That's right. these things have implications, you know, for, for all people. And so our mandate as Christians is to continue to share the gospel, you know, that the heart of man may change, you know. But we, we're living right in the midst of a lot of those changes right now. That's exactly right. We have no choice. We have no choice. You know, one of the things that we have said um, as far as even how we educate our children, there is a goal and there is an aim behind that. And first and foremost, it's to preserve the gospel for them, mm-hmm. to get the gospel to them intact. We are convicted that this is the best way for, for that to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our personal conviction. Um, but in addition to that, we are trying to preserve their um, individuality. And I know that that can sound a little bit cliche and a little bit sort of like, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. But the ability to think independently and to push back what becomes collectively normative yeah. um, is something that we have lost because of the baptism of what is government education today. Mm. What do I mean by that? Well, we socially condition kids to learn to normalize peer pressure. And very few of them can stand against it. We don't even talk about it anymore. Now we want we don't want our kids to stand out. And and so we remove from them the ability or let me just say it this way, the necessity Mm. to lean on God and to to not be men pleasers. Mm. Um, Being a man pleaser is a snare. Oh, yeah. Right. It is. It is. It is (laughs) a snare. And it is so tempting. And the pull of it is so strong. But please understand that for most of us, many of us, myself included, Mm -hmm. when you go through middle school and high school, what you normalize and in some ways internalize is that you cannot disagree you cannot mm. say no. You then that causes you to stand out. It causes you to be a little bit different, and 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 you're like, but wait. And then you have to give all these disclaimers. So one of the things that we are trying to do for our children 
And we work hard at this. We don't think they're going to catch it <clears throat> by osmosis. Mm -hmm. So we work really hard to do this is to train them to think critically, mm. to think according to the word of God, to filter, to filter what is happening in culture through the word of God. And this man, this is a daily task, mm. right? It is nonstop. It's never ending. And you've, you've got to make sure that your kids are well-versed in scripture. So they learn to lean on God, not their own understanding, yeah. Yeah. but to lean on God. And why am I saying that? Because I want to draw attention to Jonathan Isaac. Mm -hmm. So Will the Great brought this to our dinner table last night. This is one of those things that we talk to you about all the time. And we're like, okay, so guys, this is how we culture proof our kids. Yeah. This is how we indoctrinate our kids, right? We bring discussion to the table and then say, hey, take a look at this. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this? And uh, so last night, Will the Great brought to the table uh, Jonathan Isaac on Monday, his press conference that he did where he was talking about um, his conviction, right? And, and what he feels about the COVID-19 mandate, why mm -hmm. he is or isn't taking the shot. I think, do we have any, do we have some clips from that? Yeah. Okay. Can, can we run a clip so people can kind of get just a little bit of background real quick? Okay. What is it about the vaccine that, that makes you, uh, hesitant to, to, to get it? Uh, I, I would start with, um, I've, I've had COVID, um, in the past. And so our, our understanding of antibodies, of natural immunity has uh, uh, changed a, a great deal from the onset of the pandemic and is still evolving. Um, I understand that the vaccine would uh, um, help if, if, if you catch COVID and uh, you'll be able to have less symptoms um, from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and having antibodies um, with my current um, age group and uh, uh, fitness, physical fitness level, um, it's not necessarily a fear of mine. Uh, taking the vaccine, um, like I said, it would decrease my chances of uh, uh, having a severe reaction, but it does open me up to the, albeit rare chance, but the possibility of having an adverse reaction to the vaccine itself. Um, I don't believe that being unvaccinated means infected or being vaccinated means um, uninfected. You can still catch COVID um, with or with not having the vaccine. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the, the craziness of it all in terms of not being able to say that it should be everybody's fair choice without being demeaned or um, talked crazy to doesn't uh, make one comfortable to do what said person is uh, telling them to do. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's a couple of the reasons that, um, you know, I would say I, I'm hesitant at this time, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't feel that it is, um, you know, anyone's reason to come out and say, well, this is why or this is not why. It should just be their decision. And, um, you know, loving your neighbors, not just loving those that, that agree with you or look like you or uh, move in the same way that you do. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, loving those who don't. Hmm. Man. OK, so what hey. what did Jonathan? <laughs> hey, oh, man, because you got to you got to oh, know that on. he's in a situation where there could be a lot of stress. Yeah. You know, concerning this, you know, yeah. like because these uh, players, they cannot play in their home games if they don't have this vaccine. Right. Uh, and so or or, or the away let me, games. Let me, let me say it where, right. right. Exactly. Or the away games. Now, correct me on this if I'm wrong. They also cannot play in the away games if the away game takes place in a place where there is the mandate. Is that, is I that believe right? That's right. But I know okay. they can't play in the home in their in their home games. So you have other players, Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins, who in their states, they have this mandate. And, and they they one Andrew Wiggins had a religious exemption that he put out and it was <laughs> denied, you know. And so 
man, the, the scripture that you uh, alluded to earlier in the, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare. Yes. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. You know, and it's so it's so right that fear of man, you know, and, and not trusting in God, because Jonathan Isaacs uh, professes to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, he professed to be a Christian. And, and mm-hmm. this situation came up once before about the kneeling and he didn't do it. And, and all his, <laughs> his whole to kneel. <laughs> yeah, his whole team did, you know, but he had to answer that. And so mm-hmm. boldness is required and needed in these times. We have to be Absolutely. courageous. We have to That's be courageous. Right. And and let me tell you something. There may be great trembling Man, involved in this. There, there may be, you know, just recently um, the words come to my mind. Uh, I'm literally shaking, mm, you know, that's but real. this believer doing exactly what she was convicted to do. And, and for that, I give glory to God. But, yeah. you know, I'm literally shaking, but refusing to turn away from those convictions. So here's what's interesting about this. And I know I got to get to this really quickly here because we may not be able to return to it on the other side of the break. We'll just have to see. But you sent me the story of the hit piece done by Forbes magazine <laughs> on Jonathan Isaac because of his position. Uh, no, mm-hmm. not really because of the position. <laughs> right. It's because he's a Christian who Man. has this position. See? So it's so interesting, right, that this. So the writer here, senior contributor to Forbes magazine, a man by the name of Sean DeVenay, DeVenay, I think I think is the name. He goes in and, and we're, we're going to have a link to this in the story. You've got to read it yourself, because I think this is another one of those pieces that sort of reveals the hand of the spirit of this age. Mm. And I know that went over the heads of a lot of people. <laughs> but there, there is a reason that these things are happening. Yeah. And they're not just the natural things that we're seeing. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so you read this piece. And what does this writer say? This writer says, you know, Jonathan Isaac is a problem. <laughs> But he's not just a problem because he won't take the vaccine. He's a problem because he's deeply religious and vocal about it. Mm. Oh, wait, wait. (laughs) I thought this was about a public health crisis. Wait a minute. How do you toggle from that over to his faith? Like, where does that come in? He writes, there's a bigger problem for the magic here. One that goes back to Isaac's entry into the league. He is deeply and vocally religious. Mm. Which is not a bad thing in itself, but has left him largely out of step with his teammates. Really? That's what happens when Christians <laughs> enter the room. We're out of step <laughs> with those who are not. And love the herd is the cry of our culture. So if a person moves away from that, then how do you solve that problem? Yeah. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio will grab the break and we'll be right back. Just give me Jesus. Jesus. Just give me Jesus. There's nothing I desire that can't be found in you. You're everything that I've ever needed. Just give me Jesus. All right, welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We have a little bit more um, time than we expected to have so as we wait to get our guest on, Timothy Head, mm-hmm. um, Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. We're going to talk more about this, um, the mandates and the madness and all of this. Um, but this gives us an opportunity to go back to this Forbes magazine. I, this, this is really troubling to me. Yeah. And I, I really believe that it points to the real issue 
that is behind the control that we're seeing in our country. This is not about the medical community. This is not about science. If it were about science, then we would say, okay, um, Jonathan Isaac uh, had COVID and is COVID recovered Mm -hmm. and has the antibodies for COVID. Then we would say, why, why can't we just let him play? Why, why, why can't we leave him alone? But this is not about, this is about compliance. This is about just doing what we say because we say it because we're the government and because freedom uh, today in our country is a joke. And there's a larger, <laughs> um, more eternal implication to that. Right. Uh, and, and I hope we get our guest on because we're going to talk about that. What the implications, how do we connect our faith to the freedom that we have mm-hmm. and how you, you cannot have freedom apart from morality the straight edge of God's word, absolute truth yeah. that God has a righteous standard, but our country has already tried to do away with that. So then what comes next naturally is freedom. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do away with morality. You do away with the right fear of God. The next thing that you do away with is freedom mm. because freedom is God's idea. It's for freedom that he set us free. It's it's, it belongs to him, mm. but we have tried to have it in this country apart from him. And it's only a matter of time before you realize that you can't. So here is this article. I want to go back to this while we wait to get our guest on, right? Um, Again, Forbes magazine, Jonathan Isaac. It's almost, it's sort of like the, um, what is it? The, the sounds of the sound of music. How do you solve a problem like Maria? So it's how do you solve a problem like Jonathan? (laughs) Right. He is a problem for them. He's a problem for uh, them. Man, this dude here has these convictions and stuff because he's a Christian. And they just go in on him. This this article, it's yeah, rightly, man. as you said, here's the hit piece. Yeah. Here's the hit piece on Jonathan Isaac. And so let me just encourage this right here at the outset. Let me just say this. Um, please be praying for our brother. Please be praying that his convictions will not fail him. Yes. Um, that it would be man. true for him that where he is convicted, he would remain convicted. All right. Be be praying for him. Okay. So here here is the hit piece. And I, I'll get into as much of it as I can. Um, Forbes magazine. All right. Sport, sports money. Jonathan Isaac tried to save a little face on Monday. Isaac went in front of reporters at Orlando magic media day after a bizarre weekend story emerged, claiming that Isaac was not only unvaccinated, but descended into the realm of disinformation and conspiracy theory. They love that. Don't they? I mean, that's, that's like so important, you know, to be able to say, uh, it's a conspiracy wherever, wherever a Christian as a conviction or today, what's worse is that when we bring in science, oh, that's a conspiracy. Wait, wait. <laughs> when, when did science become a conspiracy? But this this is where we are. So according to this article, um, Isaac then said he was badly misrepresented. Mm. And I'll, I'll finish up here largely uh, quickly and then we'll go back to our guests and, and yeah. then maybe we can tie this all together. Um, this is what he said, though, to, to kind of clear his name. All right. He said, quote, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-science. I didn't come to my current vaccination status by studying black history or watching Donald Trump press conferences, which is what they said in the Rolling Stone article. <laughs> Man, do you wonder? Do you understand? So OK. Oh, I don't have time to make this point, but please <laughs> bear with me here. Do you understand how condescending it is to say that? And forgive me for using this illustration to say that the black man did not arrive at his own position. <laughs> right. That you, Donald Trump influenced. But that's only what's doing believed. This. Oh, you couldn't have come up with that. Like, that's it's not the something condescension that you. Yeah. Of the liberal. Isn't that crazy? It is the condescension of the liberal that, you know, if you have this idea and it goes against the grain, it goes against our prescribed position. <laughs> you didn't. You probably you didn't arrive there on your own. Right. 
All right. All right. I got I got I got to move on. I got to move on <laughs> as as much as maybe we can maybe we can bat this about just a little bit um, with our guest. But joining us right now is Timothy Head, who is the executive director uh, for the Faith and Freedom Coalition. And we're going to talk about um, the loss of trust in our country mm. as Americans. Um, and let me say primarily Christians, although although many of us might be surprised to learn that it is not only Christians mm -hmm. um, having a problem with seeing their freedoms and liberties eroded in this country. And that's yeah. a very good thing. It's also an open opportunity for the gospel to be shared. Um, Timothy, Timothy Head, are you there? I am. I am. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm excited Man. to talk to you. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get time to talk about the fact that you served as a missionary prior to the work that you did in public policy, but I would like to bring that into the discussion. I think it's so important for us to focus on um, what God calls us to do as Christians in the culture mm. uh, to make gains until the Lord returns. So anyway, maybe we'll get to that. But before we do that, give our listeners just a background, maybe kind of like a thumbnail sketch of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. What do you guys do? Yeah, you bet. So we, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we're about to, about 12 years old, started in 2009 uh, by, there's a guy named Ralph Reed, who started our organization um, uh, kind of in, in the in the throes or, uh, as, a, as a response to uh, what we thought was, was a pretty dismal uh, participation at the polls in 2008 uh, yeah. and the election results. And so uh, we, uh, we started uh, organizing uh, evangelical, especially evangelical Christians, but really uh, any kind of conservative faith-based voter in the country, to uh, our kind of uh, our kind of uh, moniker for the organization is giving a Christian, giving Christians a voice in government. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're uh, we're we're almost in a, in some ways we function some kind of like a like you almost think of like a like a labor union. You know, like Teamsters have a really strong mm -hmm. representative in uh, in Washington D.C. and state capitals. And uh, teachers and and uh, union workers do, mm -hmm. but uh, but you know too often uh, people of faith kind of um, you know we're, we're just sort of kind of scattered to the wind, and we sort of hope and pray that everything works out in the end. Uh, mm -hmm. But our goal at Faith and Freedom Coalition is to give kind of a unified voice um, and a strategic voice to House leadership, to Senate leadership, and also to um, you know to the White House. Yeah, you know, I think that's such an interesting point that you made, and man, thank God for your organization and what you're doing. But I want to kind of go back to a point that you made just in passing there. I think that what Christians don't realize is that, in part, the way things turn out in our country is factored into the way that we occupy it. Yes, we do pray. And yes, we do seek the Lord. Mm -hmm. But the Lord has given us a mandate like God has called us to be salt and light, right. to occupy, to make gains until he returns. Why do you think it is that Christians um, tend to shy away from that? Do we take the results of that action for granted? Well, that's a good question, and that's a uh, my, my answer is probably longer than you have time for because uh, <laughs> you know I kind of I kind of live this twenty four seven in some sure. ways. I, uh, you know, like we just talked about, I, I was uh, I was a missionary, I was a minister first, and then a missionary for several years. Uh, you know, almost feels like a previous life or something at this point. But back in like the late nineties until the kind of the earlier mid two thousands, and <clears throat> um, and I, you know, you kind of saw similar. Similar phenomena in in, uh, in kind of church world and missions work uh, that there were there were kind of in my opinion there were too few doers and there were too many um, what I might consider kind of armchair quarterbacks. Like mm. they were, you know, we kind of go and listen to sermons and then on Sunday Sunday lunch or in the afternoon, you know, 
I really liked this part, this point that he made that, you know, I mean, I would have said it differently. And, uh, <laughs> or man, like, why are they going to that country? Or why didn't people, more people go to this country? And I'm like, well, I mean, they got airport. If you want to get to that country, I mean, yeah. knock yourself out, brother. <laughs> right. Um, so in a similar vein here, there, there still is a lot of kind of armchair quarterbacking saying, oh man, if I were Mitch McConnell, I'd do it this way. Or if I were, right. you know, John Boehner or Paul Ryan or, or, uh, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy, I do it that way. And, uh, and I'm saying, well, you know, Hey, I actually have, have a shot for people to do it every two years. So, so, mm. you know, let's, let's jump in the game here. If you don't think they're doing it right or your local representative isn't doing it right, let's roll our sleeves up and go. Yeah. And, yeah uh, I... You know, the cool thing is we're seeing more and more of that, but, but still not enough. Yeah. And I, and I think too, that when we talk about being salt and light, uh, most Christians, they, when they when they think about that, they don't think at all that it could mean anything to do with uh, politics or you know being involved in that way. And so it's it's almost like no, it's not meaning that at all. But when you look at you know even the life of Paul, man, he mm-hmm. used that he was a Roman citizen, That's you know, right. that the gospel would be furthered. And so I think sometimes it's, it's a wrong application of what uh, that all entails, you know. Well, uh, you know, I think a great, great example. My first boss out of law school back in Texas, I worked in the Texas legislature for a while. There's a guy, a state senator named Brian Hughes, who really has kind of labored in obscurity for most of his career. But he uh, he's the guy that passed uh, just about ago this new heartbeat bill, a very novel oh. approach to the heartbeat, oh uh, to these heartbeat bills uh, that uh, that it was very, very well researched and. And is really the first, uh, the first uh, uh, heartbeat or, or kind of pro-life piece of legislation that, frankly, has uh, the pro-abortion uh, lobby kind of in a tizzy right mm-hmm. now. But uh, but if you if you meet Brian Hughes uh, and him well, I know extremely extremely well. The guy is full of grace and full of truth. He loves mm. people, um, and even for people that he disagrees with. I mean, I've seen him disagree. You know, people have been chastising him on the House floor and the or the Senate floor and the Texas legislature, and he will drive halfway across the state, uh, you know, to, to to attend the funeral of a loved one of a political opponent. Uh, mm. He'll send flowers to you know sick uh, sick um, family members. Uh, so he's, <clears throat> uh, you know, I think there are ways that we can do this on a very human and humane level right. that can be absolutely um, unapologetic and unflinching on principle, but also still loving people through the mm. whole process. Mm. Absolutely. And I think we get into trouble. And this might be the point here where we can transition and talk about these mandates and, and talk about the loss of trust here. But I think that Christians in America get in trouble when we think that people who don't fear God will do godly things. Like, so if we retreat from the public square, if we say, Mm -hmm. well, there's really no place for us there, we we're just waiting and we take for granted what um, amazing opportunity God has afforded us in this country. Then it's almost as if we're saying, you know, we're just going to step back and hope that wicked men find it in their heart (laughs) to glorify God. How, how do we reconcile those two things? I don't think we can, Timothy. Well, you, you certainly can't uh, can't hope and pray for. I mean, <laughs> that, uh, that that those circumstances are are the exception by uh, by large uh, exponents, not the rule. You know, so uh, so we do believe and and certainly uh, adhere to, to the biblical principle that uh, that the king's the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Uh, but he also the way that he kind of like maneuvers or 
or uh, are, are persuade the king heart usually is through Esther, usually is through Mordecai, usually mm, is through uh, through Daniel, usually is through Joseph, right? So, yeah. um, and just it, which on the governmental context or in the in kind of power center po- context, exactly like you know in the New Testament, we uh, you know we we hear or read that uh, how can they hear unless uh, a voice is sent, right? So, yeah. uh, I, I think uh, hoping and praying that um, that ungodly leaders will make godly decisions is tantamount to tantamount to hoping and praying that. Um, you know, Muslims and the and the, the Uyghurs in, in China uh, mm. will have dreams and visions so I can stay in my cul-de-sac at home. Wow. Mm. Wow. Well, speaking of ungodly decisions, um, man, you know, in America, we want to submit to righteous government. Um, we are not uh, looking for a reason to just rebel for rebellion's sake. I mean, but here we are and the trust of Americans, it has been abused um, talk about where we are now in terms of these mandates and people being forced to receive these shots and even the threat of their jobs looming overhead. Well, uh, you know, listen, I, I really believe that uh, that the people of God are called and uh, to be both innocent as doves and also as wise as serpents. Mm. Okay, so we actually need to be discerning people and not just sort of like... Uh, gullible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, if we actually have the Spirit of God living in us, we have we have the ultimate co- uh, counselor uh, actually residing in us. We need to Amen. learn to discern his voice and respond to Amen. his kind of quickenings and not just kind of watch the magic picture team and just let it wash, wash, wash over us. Oh, well, golly, on, TDC is regurgitating a, a statistic to me every uh, 14 minutes, so I guess that must be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, in, in this situation... Um, I think it's very help, uh, healthy and, and helpful uh, to, you know, this is a time to employ uh, Ronald uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, tried and true axiom of trust and verify. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we're not getting very much verification at all right now. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a bunch of a bunch of uh, elected. We got plenty of problems on the elected front, but we especially have problems on the unelected front of people that, are, that have. Um, Many, many, very, uh, we'll just call them uh, complex uh, motivations going on out here, mm-hmm. uh, telling yes. us uh, to, to do certain things just to kind of get in line, and then, you know, exerting peer pressure, uh, for crying out loud. I mean, uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen a White House so aggressively uh, lo- lobby a single citizen as as see this White House try to get uh, uh, it was the pop star that said uh, um, that, that came out and said uh, you know shouldn't get vaxxed and all of a sudden all of a sudden the White House is is uh, is at, you know, inviting her to the White House and have oh, dinner yeah. with Kamala uh, and uh, and President Biden uh, to try to try to talk her into to walking back her statement mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj so. Uh, so, you know, this is, uh, they know how sort of volatile or fragile their message is and their, their, um, their kind of hold on public sentiment is. And it's because they're burning bridges left and right because they're telling us how to have trees, okay? 
Yeah. Uh, so hey, I, Timothy, I, I think let me do this. Let me just jump in here on. real quick. Let me jump in real quick because we got to grab this break. But I want to talk about what we can expect as we move forward on the other side of the break. Just a few more minutes. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Our guest is Timothy Head, who is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. And we'll talk more about these um, shop mandates when we get back. Stay right there. In my brokenness, you are close to me. In my weakness, in my strength, you are high lifted up. You sit high up on the throne. You are God, you are God, God alone. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Darius James with You Are God Alone. J Mac and Sherry B also on tap, helping us navigate the show today. Our guest is Timothy Head, who is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, and we're talking about talking about um, the loss of freedom hmm. in this country. That basically that's what it boils down to. And before we went to the break, though, Timothy was making the point that you've never seen anything like this before in our country, where there's been such a move to just force people to be okay with their loss of freedom like to normalize this loss of freedom. Uh, not only are we putting pressures on celebrities and things of that nature, but we are also trying to buy complicity. Like we're handing out like gift cards. I mean, I, I, I'm like, to me, that's, that's one of, one of the huge signals that, you know, <laughs> you're not okay with this. You know what I mean? Like you, you are trying to entice people to violate their conscience. And, and, and unfortunately, um, for those for whom it is true that they are violating their consciences, some of them are doing it. Okay. Mm. Now, if it's not a violation of your conscience, then it's not a violation of your conscience. I cannot stress that enough because whenever we have this discussion, people are like, well, I'm fine. I, I receive, and I'm fine. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the people who are not fine. Right. We're talking about the people who are saying no and are losing, fast losing their jobs, losing their careers because they are saying no. We got tens of thousands of people that are facing this very thing in New York City. You've got schools saying, hold on, wait a minute, before you drop the axe on this mandate, we need a backup plan because we're going to lose teachers. Mm. We're, there are teachers who are refusing to get this shot. And so if you say that they cannot teach in our school system, they're not going to show up. And, and wh- where are we going to be? Right. So, so this is not about the people who want to receive the shot. The discussion is about the people who don't want to receive the shot. And this, let's remember, has been in part what has made our nation so great. <laughs> Those people, the people who don't want to receive the shot, who don't have to. Right. <laughs> you know, hashtag Nuremberg. Like we don't we don't force people. Right. To be experimented on. Right. We don't do that in right. this country. And, and for some reason, um, our memory is not very long and we have forgotten that. Uh, Timothy Head, I'm sorry. I, you know, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are here as the expert. You got it. Yeah. Where, where, where does this all end up? Like, what do we need to think about and consider as we move forward? Well, listen, you know, I think part of your question, uh, your question is really this whole issue is, is ultimately a matter of credibility. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, when I started doing this kind of this line of work uh, a number of years ago, I had this uh, this very well-respected lobbyist in the Texas legislature, Texas uh, kind of political scene, said the ultimate, credi- the ultimate uh, currency of this work is actually credibility. You think it's like campaign dollars or you think it's 
you know, how many people you can get to vote to for a certain, you know, for a certain uh, candidate or whatever. But actually, credibility is the true coin of the realm. Mm-hmm. But this uh, administration, and frankly, the federal government, has completely lost sight of this reality. Mm-hmm. That uh, the Supreme Court is really the closest thing at this point in kind of our federal government that truly still kind of holds to that because they don't have a purse like Congress, and they don't have an army, you know, like the, like the White House. And so they, they really are their only currency, if you will, credibility. And, when, and, and I think that's why they're very, very conscientious of not making kind of like blockbuster decisions mm-hmm. uh, because they're going to make some people happy and other people mad, and we got, we're, we got currency of uh, problems at that point, okay? But when you're talking about, um, you know, I mean, I, I think at this point, Fauci has to be squarely in the in the uh, the crosshairs of of, uh, of our conversations and our of our Absolutely. investigation. Yes, uh, you know one of the uh, one of the pieces that really is not discussed very much is is uh, you know he all he and his agency uh, did very very uh, dubious and, and frankly uh, um, uh, made efforts to cover up research at the University of Pittsburgh. You guys can look into this and. You know, if you want to start talking about this later in the future, mm-hmm. uh, on on doing uh, fetal tissue, uh, uh, actually research on uh, late-term abortion, even in some cases up to 42 weeks, by the way, mm-hmm. late-term abortions. So these were like 35-plus weeks and a few yes. examples of even 42-week. Uh, they were still in utero, but they're 42-week uh, um, uh, babies uh, um, doing... Uh, tissue research and actually splicing them, uh, splicing tissue with other uh, animals to do very, very, you know, it almost turned stomach. You know, I think about this stuff, uh, but this was funded by Fauci and and uh, and the NIH uh, uh, at the University of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like experimental, um, you know, honestly, uh, very questionably ethical uh, practices that's being being done here that that don't necessarily apply specifically or directly to Wuhan, you know, gain function, et cetera, but, uh, but more broadly, just what exactly is going on with mm-hmm. our yes. National Institutes of Health, yeah. okay? Yeah. Like, we're not, we're not curing flus. We're not, uh, you know, even developing, like, uh, you know, vaccines for, for HIV-AIDS. Uh, we're doing kind of like, um, you know, very next-gen kind of cyber research or whatever. Yes. I mean, great. Research and development is fantastic, okay? Uh, but when you, but, but we have to, well, there still has to be, you know, basic kind of uh, uh, bumpers, if you will, of ethics. And there also has to be accountability. And you don't get to call us, you know, because American citizens say, hey, hey, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Why exactly mm-hmm. are we doing that? Why are you taking our money and doing that? You don't get to turn around and call me and call me a Nazi. For asking right. the question, mm-hmm. okay? That's right. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not a science denier. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just asking a simple question for accountability. That's right. And whenever I get to guillotine for asking a question mm-hmm. of a government bureaucrat, uh, that should raise red flags yeah. through the roof. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, though, I think so many Americans are being silenced. I think there is a fear when you can attach, um, you know, receiving a shot to a type of virtue or a love of thy neighbor, right? Mm. Then the Christian feels wholly unequipped to stand against it because then it's like you, you, you get the scriptures now twisted 
turned back on you. You're not loving your neighbor. You're not loving your neighbor. And so I'm wondering where then is the recourse for the believer in this country? But but you also said something about these bumpers, necessary bumpers for ethics. Where do we how do we preserve that in this country? Because, I mean, we're just fast losing it. Uh, well, we are fast losing, and I would I would say the the only way that we will ultimately lose it, it will always be a struggle. It will always be a fight. But the only way that we will definitively lose it is if we if we check our voter ID card at home, and mm. uh, we sit on the barkle out here and say, you know, they stole it, or you know, it doesn't matter anymore. They're gonna you know manufacture the votes, whatever the case. So <clears throat> you know, I totally agree with that. I don't say that half-heartedly. I know that, that's a complicated situation, but we mm-hmm. have to stay engaged mm-hmm. uh, or else we are up a creek. And, um, you know, I have to say, uh, so, so keep in mind, you guys may, you know, we, we do a lot of analysis on this at Faith and Freedom Coalition, uh, that in the last three elections, uh, we've seen basically 26% of the entire electorate, not, for, not of Republicans, 26% of the entire electorate are evangelical Christians, and about another 9.5% are conservative or what we call faithful Catholics. And then we also have some more miscellaneous that gets us almost to 40% of smaller, you know, conservative uh, 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 religious faith, uh, some Jews, some Mormons, some, you know, some other kind of smaller, uh, but you know, Amish, whatever. Um, so we, we almost are at 40% of the entire electorate that identifies as some sort of conservative faith-based vote. Hmm. Well, the reason why you see people like Cindy Axney, Iowa woman uh, for uh, uh, a second term um, uh, uh, congresswoman from, from Iowa, uh, start talking about um, basically how uh, uh, conspiratorial and um, regressive uh, Christians are, it's because the memo is out. The SEIU has actually has some, probably the most dispositive analysis of this, that uh, the, the the kind of prefix Christian in front of any Christian, in, in front of any electoral um, uh, substrata, so, mm-hmm. so union workers, Christian union workers, mm-hmm. uh, Christians basically move the move the, the electorate vote about twenty five to thirty percent to the right. No matter wow. what your strata is, if you put the word Christian in front of it, college educated, suburban white female, Christian, college educated Christian white uh, uh, suburban white female, it moves to the right approximately thirty points. Wow. So they're, they're, this is a political calculus. It looks like it's sort of religious in nature, but it's actually a political calculus to say we have to hammer the Christians. And we have to guilt sort of nominal or, or you know, moderate Christians. Don't, you know, associate with those, you know, those, those deniers and those conspiracists. Man, that's, you know, that's amazing because we've been doing a few shows here where we've uh, been asking the question, what does it even mean when people say that they're a Christian? So it's this is almost a little bit of a revelation to think of the political implications of that, because I think sometimes we don't drill down to what people actually believe when they say they're a Christian. But if I'm understanding you correctly, that just having that distinction uh, largely influences the way people vote. Is this only on social issues, or is this across the board? Across the board, it, it, it moves every uh, any and every single substrata. So, there, so the 
you know, the SEIU, you know, I kind of just, you know, this is sort of the life that I have to live, right? Yes. Uh, the SIU is, is one of the main uh, kind of uh, analytic drivers on the on the left, on the political left. Is so uh, look, I'm a professional political uh, analyst, so that you know I, I don't just kind of uh, watch my corner of the world. Uh, and they uh, they came out actually the 2016 election, and uh, and their kind of top top analyst and political director said there really is. I mean, there's just no no other way to slice this. We did well on everything except for one thing, the Christians. And then, when when whenever someone kind of tacked that, uh, so basically, if you believe that there's a God, and you believe that the Bible is authoritative, that that thing moves from no matter where you live in the country, no matter what your gender is, your age is, your race is, your number moves to the right, twenty-five to twenty-nine percent. Wow. So That's this is amazing. The reason why the Faith and Freedom Coalition is the most feared organization uh, in the political uh, landscape because uh, we did 205 million voter contacts last year, including 5.95 million doors, uh, personally visiting those voters and saying, do not stay home, we must perform. And Pew just wow. released, uh, you know, just last week, about 10 days ago, released their their kind of definitive post, uh, post-election analysis saying that 84% of that vote described, 84% of that vote voted for Donald Trump. So the point isn't Donald Trump per se. The point is they voted for the political candidate who was going to support life, defend Israel, support family, uh, um, you know, uh, support religious liberty and do a number of other, you know, lower taxes, uh, defend guns, um, all all conservative and, and, and in one way or another, you know, kind of tethered to a biblical worldview. Um, the, the, the center-right candidate, those voters, 84% performed for that. For that uh, it's the only remaining uh, uh, political substrata that still votes in this direction. Man, you know, Timothy, this, I mean, I don't need to say this to you, but this kind of information kind of needs to be spread far and wide. I I think, I think part of the problem here is that for many Christians, what we overwhelmingly see is a liberal, if you will, distribution of information. And so it appears that what you've just said um, isn't true. Like you, Christians, I think, start to think, well, it doesn't matter what I do. We just continue to decline. But actually, what I'm what I'm hearing from you very clearly, and we're almost out of time here, is that it absolutely does matter what we do. That we are still called to occupy, and it does make a difference. You are going to be told for the next three and a half years that it doesn't matter, and you should be ashamed of yourself for believing this way, and you should not associate with other people that believe this way. What I'm telling you is. On the election night of November <clears throat> November last year, we did our own exit polling mm-hmm. uh, the very night of the election, and we came back at 83.6% of these voters voted for Donald Trump. But we, what Pew just did, a whole extensive uh, after-action analysis, uh, by the way, and we were absolutely chastised. People were, like, laughing at us walking down the street. 83.6%, you got to be a bunch of whacks. Pew just did their same analysis for eight months and released 83.9% of Christian voters <laughs> wow. voted for Trump. And so now all these people are calling us, how did you, how long have you known this? And I'm like, well, look at our press conference the morning after the election. We've known it 
like immediately because this is what we do. So wow. I'm just telling wow. you, you know, I would, I would just ask you to continue to, you know, to kind of like uh, speak truth and to ex- exhort and encourage uh, the body of Christ to not waver. You can't listen to all of this other noise because the noise is not new. noise. And they are actually trying to discourage you and dissuade you. It's actually like a, it's, it's a concerted known methodology. Just Timothy to, Head. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk them out of being Christians, but we can talk yeah. them out of participating. T- talk them out of connecting their Christianity to any other form of engagement. We are <laughs> out of time, and I hate that. That's true. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>